JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, oh the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So happy to be here with you on this Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a busy one. I will set the stage for you, tell you what it's all about, what we will be conversing about over the course of the afternoon, and the Super Bowl is set. The Super Bowl is set. It's going to be a humdinger, no doubt about that. But I will say this, outside of the drama, the drama that was created in large part because of some calls at Arrowhead yesterday, the NFC title game left a little bit to be desired. Now, frankly, how are you going to do it when you go down to not your first, not your second, not your third, but your fourth stringer? And then we were all thinking as you were watching, both Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson go down, that it was going to be some form of a juice deck wildcat thing, which probably would have made that more enjoyable. But let's face it, uh, in terms of the NFC, Philadelphia has been the best team all year long, and Philadelphia continued to be the best team yesterday. The business-as-usual approach to Jalen Hurts Nothing wrong with that. You know, normally you get kind of outspokenness, things of that nature from that quarterback position. He's just kind of quiet, goes out there and plays. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Somebody had tweeted me yesterday regarding the AFC title game because after the uh, the third down was replayed, I put up in a tweet, I think I said screw job. <laughs> now, granted, I know that there wasn't a screw job going on. And I know that these games aren't fixed. You're going to say, well, how do you know? 
Honestly, because I don't think anybody, the amount of people it would take to keep a secret, do you guys know anybody that can keep a secret anymore? Secrets, for the most part, are no longer capable of being held. So with something that would have to factor in as that grand of an activity, I could not even begin to believe that anybody would be capable of keeping a secret with it. Now, here's the truth to it. The truth to it that it's just all too familiar that these guys mess up, but these guys are going to mess up. It wasn't a screw job. It was just one side was getting calls that at the time the other side didn't. Yeah, and unfortunately, too, unfortunately, too, for the player with the personal foul, that was 100% accurate. And I think it's also okay. I don't know where we are as a society. I'm not going to preach to you at all. I'm just going to tell you how I feel. I felt, and I also felt it was okay. I felt bad for the dude. And it had nothing to do with the way that he played or he was 22 or the way that he looked with the camera on him at the end of the game. That just makes me feel bad when something like that plays such a significant role in the outcome of a game. And it was rightly called. But I think I'm okay to feel bad for the guy. Aren't we okay to be sympathetic or we are so hardcore right now? Oh, you're just a big wuss if you feel sorry for that guy sitting. I do. I do. It wasn't just that play that cost him the game. And sure, you can say that. And while you can say that, it can be true. But it certainly was at a significant point. It was at the peak of significance at that moment. I think it's okay to have sympathy. I think it's okay to carry sympathy no matter what the player is getting paid. I think it's okay to have sympathy just as much as it's okay to feel like that we need to be hardcore and critical around every turn. I guess we pick and choose. I guess I pick and choose. You go back to Friday night in Boston, it's not like I felt sorry for LeBron James, but that sure as hell looked like a foul. (laughs) It does. It did. Still does. And it's not like they got into the whole act that went down afterwards. We've been with LeBron James here from the Victor Oladipo goaltend on down the line to an enormous amount of heat Pacers matchups back in the day. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for him, but I, I think I can also say, well, you know what? That probably should have been whistled. I guess from that standpoint, The fact that the NBA at that moment swallowed their whistles on LeBron James probably made everybody feel really good. And I know that you have to be tough and you have to be thick-skinned and all that, but I was thinking about that dude on the sideline last night. I felt bad for him. Out there trying to make a play, and not only do you make a play, you make a really, really bad play. But I did. I had a little bit of sympathy. Even I don't. We live in a world right now where I don't think you're allowed to. You got to look at the the amount of money the guy makes and then go, 
All right, well, if he didn't make that much money, then we would have some sympathy for him. But clearly he makes so much money uh, that it just doesn't matter. He'll forget about it tomorrow and so on and so forth. Yeah, not so much. I think it's okay. It's okay to feel bad for a dude at that moment. Sometimes I think we forget that. Because you know what we're going to do. We're all going to go back to being critical about moments just like that down the road. It's not like it's going to be everlasting. We're not going to change anybody. Nobody's going to be changed out of this. We'll just kind of sit back and wait until it happens to somebody else and can get played over and over and over again. Yeah, not as egregious as Bill Buckner. Don't get me wrong on that, but it played a significant role, certainly, in the outcome of that game and giving uh, Butker a much easier opportunity to cash in. Now, I guess you can also look at Cincinnati, and it depends on how you do view it. If it's your team, you love the bravado. You love the swagger. You love the confidence. If it's not your team, you think that they're a bunch of jacksticks. Seriously. Uh, From the mayor to the whole Burrowhead thing. I, for one... Knowing the Cincinnati market in sports as well as I do because I'm a Reds fan, I think it's okay after how many decades of futility that Cincinnati with this football team shows a little bit of swagger. And that starts with its quarterback. I think it's okay. I mean, if it's L.A. or if it's New York or even Philadelphia, for that matter, or Boston or Miami, you probably don't want to see that swagger. I'd be right there with you. But, I mean, it's Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati. Sports-wise, Cincinnati is trying to get off of being the schlep rock of sports fans. And it's true. They have very good reasons to. The Bengals basically up until last year, how do we put that? All the way back from 89 until last year, Bengals football, Eddie could probably speak to that. And then any Reds fan, no, come on. When's the last time we were even close to being satisfied? Well, I'm sure, 99, but you know how that ended. What, 95, Davey Johnson here? We all know how that ended. Yeah, 1990, go wire to wire. But I think there's any market, any market whatsoever, because of the past in its sports fandom, can feel the need to speak with bravado and swagger and a high level of confidence. It could be Cincinnati because you just don't you don't have it or you haven't had it enough. And when you get it, you want to make make sure everybody knows it. Right. You want to make sure everybody knows it. It's like Kansas City right now. It's old hat for Kansas City. They're just responding. Travis Kelsey is responding. Now, Patrick Mahomes, father, responding. I mean, they're back at it again. It's old hat for Kansas City now, going to Super Bowls, going to AFC title games, having a high level of success. That's what everybody in the AFC is going to be chasing. We'll get to the Colts coming up in a minute. But I didn't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people did. A lot of people have a problem, and we'll bring this up coming up a little bit later on. A lot of people have a problem with Memphis. And if you watched the Pacer game last night, 
because Memphis does all this talking, and that goes back to nearly two weeks ago with Shannon Sharp up front at whatever they call the Staples Center now, crypto blah, blah, blah arena. And getting it into it with the Memphis players, the, the Memphis players and then John Morant's dad, they yip-yap it up a little bit. Now, I don't know how much they have put been put down or been put in their place in the past. Didn't work out well. Yeah, in terms of when they play Golden State with what happened to Golden State a year ago. But we do, and I certainly do. I kind of judge the swagger and the allowance for that level of swagger and bravado by what the market has had to endure. And if anybody should be allowed to speak, should be allowed to talk a little bit of junk, even if it doesn't work out as it didn't for the Bengals this year, uh, it would be the folks in Cincinnati. Now, didn't do them any good, and you knew that. The whole Burrowhead thing, you just knew that that was going to blow up in their face. And up front, they could not protect Joe Burrow. He did not find, I don't think really, maybe a couple of different plays, but not extended periods of comfort as comes natural to him. But a lot of talking. So I'm going to be curious to see what you got with Philly and Kansas City coming up in the Super Bowl. Glendale, Arizona. A week from yesterday. Check that. Two weeks from yesterday. And we'll see what we have. So I'm not mad at the Bengals. And and really, too, if I'm a Bengals fan, I still feel good. You never want a missed opportunity because you never know what's going to happen further down the road. I mean, who knows? Maybe Joe Burrow hops a snowboard, starts enjoying architecture, and you never see him again. You never know. You you have to take, and you want to take full advantage when you have the opportunity. But it does feel like if you look at this Bengals team, they're going to have plenty of future opportunities. The biggest problem is going to be the log jam near the top that with some of these quarterbacks you believe that still will be had could be had more than likely will be had and with that in mind that's where you go with this Colts team that's why we talk about having to endure the process of finding a head coach I sit here and I told you last week and I sit here and I tell you right now there's nothing that really strikes me as an oh wow give you a radio term in music radio term this is back in the day of oh wow that would be a song that rarely gets played hey let's play this oh wow song on saturday night if i went by this on saturday night here's david and david and welcome to the boomtown that's an oh wow it is an oh wow because everybody loves it but it rarely gets airtime it rarely gets airplay oh wow There's nothing that's really, oh, wow, to me about this Colts coaching search right now. And somebody, I'm sure, steps up. It is different. You know, maybe Callahan is an, oh, wow. I just don't view him as that right now. Maybe Steichen is an, oh, wow. I just don't view him as that right now. Probably the, the, oh, how should I put this? Oh, wowiest of the group is D'Amico Ryan's. And that is because he's a player. 
And then if you want to poke holes in the argument, that defense didn't play that great against Philly yesterday, even without an offense or certainly a quarterback of any kind. And if you want to further the argument, which I don't buy, but you could if you wanted to because I heard from you. And, you know, with the Colts around here, since you really have nothing significant at all to hang your hat on, except losses and some embarrassing losses and being told how great things are going to be, you can live vicariously through the close. You beat one of them and you are close against the other. Now, don't talk about hanging banners or anything like that, but it's true. That's basically what Colts fans, that's what they are right now. They have been reduced to embracing a win over Kansas City in September and embracing the fact that they were close against Philly later on in the year. That is where this team is right now, and it stinks to be there. Everybody else is having fun. Kansas City's City's having a glorious time. I mean, Cincinnati's all bent out of shape. Mad at the officials. I completely understand that. But in Cincinnati, you know what you have. You know what you have. You know how that was put together. Get incredibly fortunate to get Joe Burrow, and then you surround Joe Burrow with a lot of weaponry. And I mean a lot of it. You just have to concentrate even more so on the offensive line. But you know what you have. Here... You don't. You know that you got a coaching search that's going on that even if you say, hey, I really like this guy because you probably haven't done or did not do a deep dive on it. You just kind of like, yeah, Steichen is good. Look at Philly's offense. I like it. Or, yeah, I love offense. I love the way offense is played in this era. And then what? Go for a defensive-looking guy? So it's just different. And I always remind you this. Whomever they pick, I'm sure that we will dissect it incredibly. But the most important thing is to come up with to come up with what three of the four teams and certainly the three most successful that we witnessed yesterday have. And that is a quarterback that can get the job done. If you want to call him elite, no doubt. If Jalen Hurts, I'm assuming, is in that elite category, no doubt. You get a number one overall, you got a high first round, and you have a second rounder. So, to me, the job of Chris Ballard, and it's great, you bring in everybody in the world to interview for this head coaching gig, but you damn straight get this thing right in April. You get this thing right in April, and you surround them with talent, with weaponry. And not tell us about how you want to build inside out, because I think everybody's a little bit sick and tired of that act. Inside out. That's my philosophy. If you really, truly, if you're Chris Ballard and you want to manufacture any believability in where you're going and how it is different going into year seven from the first six, It is you change your tune on your philosophy of how you build a team. Change may be too strong. Adjust, absolutely necessary. 
man, people are so worried about how they get coached, how you're going to get coached. Find guys that can play. That's going to lead to a good coach. How many teams are out there right now that have really sucked, Eddie? Really sucked and should be much better, but their coach holds them back. Who are we talking about? That's a good one. The the coach holds them back. We all know this to be true. The coach is always going to be the first in the hot seat. But it is going to, it's about the players. You saw this. It's about the players yesterday. Maybe you saw, Arizona. You saw, you saw it in two different ways. Um, I don't think that's a bad call. I just don't happen to agree with it. That's why I maybe. said maybe. Yeah, maybe it's a good call by you right there. Yeah. yeah. You couch it a little bit with maybe. I like that. But we saw yesterday what's necessary. And with all due respect to San Francisco and what they've done. But you saw it yesterday. You have a team with quarterbacks that can play and can lead and have substantially, and even in Kansas City's chase, gone through gone through some change. They've gone through some change. And they had to get through it yesterday without what they normally have production-wise at wide receiver. And then with a guy in Patrick Mahomes that was hobbled. But there is not a guy in the NFL that is continuously open, open on every play than Travis Kelsey. Defensively, if you want to, why don't you just stick three dudes on him? Always open. But that's what should matter to you more than anything else. If you're like me and you're not overly excited about the whole coaching process and the hiring and the names that are out there, don't worry about that. That's common. Worry about what happens in April. Worry about what happens in May. Or I should say, check that, in March. Worry about what happens in March and then again in April. Worry about how this team is being built and how this team can possibly in the foreseeable future be able to compete with these teams that are there right now. They didn't put up massive numbers, don't get me wrong, but massive threats, most are. And that can take its toll. And you also, in terms of the Colts, have to think about how you get there. These teams are there. These teams are there, and then they'll just have an old-fashioned boxing match to see who's going to prevail. But you've got to find out how you can get there. So we shall see. Brian Callahan, sounds like D'Amico Ryan's going to end up back in Houston where he was a standout linebacker for many years with the Texans. That's what it sounds like, at least. Steichen, the enemy, I'm assuming, is still a part of it. Has he been mentioned as a part of it? I haven't heard his name in a while, though. The enemy? Yeah. I haven't seen anything either. So mostly right now it's... The ones that have been participating, Callahan, Steichen, right there. Callahan, Steichen, Morris. Yeah, Raheem Morris may end up being it. 
Now, once upon a time, he was an offensive guy, but in L.A., he was a defensive guy, right? So if you were going to challenge folks by saying, hey, you know what, you got to get with the program here. This has to be a, an offensive pick. What do you get? Do you go back? Do you trace him back to you know, what he did early in his career, or do you hold him down to the defensive category where he is right now? I would say more of the defensive category because that's where he's had more success. Here's what I've said. I've said this all along, and that's why I've liked old, crusty dudes. Old, crusty dudes, I think, necessary with this group. Certainly a been-there-done-that mentality. But you do have to go out and find somebody. Find somebody that is good at doing offense. I don't think it's important you find an offensive head coach, but you have to have somebody that is major offensive once you put together an offense that can be crafted and molded into it. Because we know it's not that right now. That is where we are. That is where we are in terms of you kind of being tired of talking about it and not knowing really where to go. I was on with Tony Katz this morning, and he asked me about it, and I said, well, this is exactly what they said, or in this case, Chris Ballard said he was going to do. And others bring up the fact that the last time Chris Ballard had a coaching search, he zeroed in on one dude. That one dude bailed on him in the 11th hour, and then it was basically Jim Irsay and his friends that jumped in and hired Frank Reich. But make no mistake about it, while the head coaching position choice is big, where you go in the future under center and with the rest of this offense is massive. We'll discuss that coming up. Now, bury the lead on this. Miles Turner, two-year extension. I believe bottom of the hour, they're going to have a presser over at Gambridge Fieldhouse regarding that. What is it right now? $34, $35 million they restructured, and people are going to go, whoa, that's a lot. But then it goes down to 20 and 21 for the next two years. Correct. They added $17 million of cap space from this year that they they aren't using towards his contract of $18 million of this year, and then he has $21 million uh, in contract next year, and then 20 after that, or vice versa. I'm not sure which, but it is 21 and 20. So what you're doing right here is you kind of want to know what you believe you have. This is what a building team does. I don't know if they felt that way back in October, but certainly production-wise, playing-wise, he has played himself into that. He has played himself into being trusted by Tyrese Halliburton. Once Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, this weekend is what has been suggested. JJ said that on the broadcast yesterday. But to me, on the surface, you're going to say, well, all you ever do is talk visions of grandeur regarding Miles Turner. But the deal, by the Pacer standards, you should enjoy because it still gives them incredible amounts of flexibility. And they're still building this thing. Think about it for a moment. Think about a couple of weeks ago how excited you were about this team winning and surprisingly so. Compared to what you... Feel about it. Think about it right now. Coming off of Friday, giving up 85 in the first half to Milwaukee. And then yesterday, starting out well, only to see everything fall in in the third quarter. 
I've said this all along, and nobody wants to hear it because you have to be one side or the other, but I've said it all along. This is not a winning team right now. You just embrace it when it happens, but know that much like they're trying to do with the personnel, this build is on the move. And you're going to have days, you're going to have weeks like this. It should come to nobody's surprise. And also, with that two-year deal, the way that this thing goes down, it should come to nobody's surprise that they felt it necessary to do it. Because, again, it gives them the flexibility to live in the now, but to look to the future and to see how this thing is going to be built. Trade deadline's coming up a week from Thursday, right? Would I suggest they're going to be active in trying to bring somebody in? No, but if they find somebody they believe will mesh with what they have right now, you understand that's what rebuilding teams do. That's what they do. It doesn't necessarily speak that, hey, you're playing for this year and they're going to try to get into the play-in game. Now, it speaks to a team that has hard-targeted somebody they believe fits the mold for what they want to be. And that's what the Pacers are doing right now. Jay Query, top of the hour. We will converse over that. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. More droning on from me regarding what's going to take place with the Colts and the head coach. And then the offseason as well. And you guessed it. After his press conference, Miles Turner is going to join us, or at least is scheduled to join us, coming up at 4.30 today. We'll talk about how it has worked out here in the short term, what he likes about this team reasons why he wanted to stay and where he believes this team is going. Miles Turner scheduled 4:30 today. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Email the address at jmv at 1075thefan.com. IU conversation coming up, Purdue conversation coming up. Never have I wanted to see both IU and Purdue win games during the week to set up something so awesome on Saturday. Nobody is allowed to lose their next game. IU tomorrow night in Maryland. Purdue coming up on Wednesday at home versus Penn State. Nobody's allowed to lose. Four o'clock Saturday afternoon in Bloomington. This thing has to be at a fever pitch. We haven't had it nearly enough. We got to have it. That's a must win. IU tomorrow night in Maryland, which is not going to be easy. Uh, Must win. I don't think I've ever must-wind up a college game. I'm going to must-win up both IU and Purdue Tuesday and Wednesday. We have to see that on Saturday. Have to. It could be a nice trap game, though, for Indiana. Don't say trap game. Dang it. It's the truth, I though. just said must-win trap it, game. Well, it is a must-win. It is a must-win. I agree. Man. It's a must-win, 100%. <sighs> Easily can be labeled as a trap game because all that focus and attention oh, for IU man, could be looking geez. towards Saturday. Look what Eddie Garrison's doing to me right here. I'm sitting over here doing my most incredible impression of Matthew Wilder. Ain't nothing going to break my stride. Ain't nothing going to slow me down. And here's Eddie Garrison, man. He's whizzing in my Wheaties. He's turning in my punch bowl. Come on, man. Back to back, Tuesday and Wednesday night must win. Set the stage. There is nothing wrong with an early February stage. Few and far between with these two teams matched up together here. You guys all around here, and I mean everybody, we should be unified. 
We should be unified with that in mind. Just for that matchup coming up on Saturday. As I mentioned, 239-1070 is the number. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, we are up and running. Thank you very much for joining us as well. We'll see what you guys are talking about when I log in in just a second. Meantime, HD Radio, if you had that in your car, it sounds absolutely spectacular. Check that out today. The stream, the app, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. The Ride with JMV. Dude, most metal ever! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. That's Eddie Garrison, everybody. Now, you got must-wins here. IU Purdue, you set the stage. The early season, if you will. Eh, not early. Mid-Big Ten season stage for February the 4th. What's the weather supposed to be like coming up on, on Saturday? Because I'm going to tell you, there is nothing better than a big game in Bloomington when, during the course of a wintertime, there is a surprisingly warm day going down. What do we got on Saturday? Looking about high of 36. Well, we've got to be warmer than that. And cloudy. 36 and cloudy. Got to be warmer than that. It needs to be warmer than that. I can't wait. And it's not like I'm suggesting that all is lost if one or the other loses, but I want this thing to be as shiny as humanly possible for Saturday. Four o'clock in the afternoon. Is that an ESPN game? Do we know? How was that not on Fox primetime or something? Here, let me look it up. Fox primetime or CBS in the afternoon? Hey, JMV, Miles Turner owes Halliburton a couple of St. Elmo shrimp cocktails for getting that deal and extension done. ESPN. He has helped. ESPN game at 4 o'clock, huh? Don Hall chimes in. If you don't have a young stud at both quarterback and wide receiver, you do not have a chance in this NFL. I am right there with you, Don Hall, on that. JMV, was Sirianni an oh, wow, when the Eagles hired him? He wasn't. Were the Eagles, oh, wow, before they found out what Jalen Hurts could do? Were they, oh, wow, before they added he and A.J. Brown to the offense? I'm just kind of curious. Can you answer me that, golden mom? I have nothing against coaches. I have everything for what this team needs to add beyond the head coach. I'm sorry, help me out here. Was in and probably has one of the worst all-time introductory press conferences. But he does have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL going right now. He does have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL going right now. He does have an offense that is clearly difficult to stop. That's the whole point. And hopefully the Colts have that point. That's what matters. JMV, they are both, and if you don't think so, I've got some swampland in Green County to sell you. Oh, Jeff says it's uh, rigged. Sorry. Uh, the NFL is rigged from Jeff. Jeff, the NFL is not rigged. 
They have officials that make mistakes, sometimes more egregious than others. Jeff, you couldn't keep a secret for five minutes. Do you think something as grand as something like that would be kept? Come on, man. There is no swampland, by the way, in Greene County, at least on the eastern portion on the other side of the river, the White River. That's all pristine. Incredible Kentucky bluegrass, evenly mowed, crafted. Now, when you get on the other side, you get around Linton and Jasonville, and then you might have some swampland over there. Matthew's at 239-1070. Matthew, start out this afternoon. How are you? Hey, JMV. I'm doing well. Great to hear from you. Um, yes. So I know this might be sacrilege since I'm a Purdue fan, but I wanted to talk about IU women's hoop real quick. Why don't uh, my, you? Because they're fantastic. Yeah. My Andy friend sends me updates on all, all the time on Mackenzie Holmes because she's like, I know you're a Purdue guy, but she's from Maine and you need to know this stuff. Just got named player of the week. Yep. I she's from Maine. Like, Mackenzie is from the state of Maine, much like where you are right now. Yeah. Yes, India is up to four. To say she's a big deal around here would be a massive understatement because we have not had a Division One athlete since the nineties. Who was the last Division One athlete in Maine? Cindy, Cindy Blodgett. Gotcha. I don't even know who that is, but i I trust your I trust your knowledge in terms of high level athletes in the state of Maine. She's another high-level basketball player. <laughs> no, we like them a great deal. Uh, they are playing incredibly well, and Grace Berger just continues to get better and better. And we had Sydney Parrish on the show on Friday, and equally fantastic. Now, there's no doubt. They are fun to watch and win and win and win is what they're doing. Matthew, anything else? Um, I think that was it on – that for the Colts head search, do you think uh, Eric Bieniemy has a decent shot at getting the job? Uh, we have not heard his name since the initial time we heard his name reported. So, you know, moving on to the Super Bowl, maybe that should hinder it. But I, I haven't honestly heard his name at all since then. Yeah, I haven't either. But with so many names that I've been hearing over the past couple of weeks, I can only count so high. No doubt about that. All right, I'm asking if I can start at 4 o'clock. Just for you on Saturdays, okay? Oh, awesome. I don't know how far that's going to go. Probably not very far, Matthew. But for you, I will do it. All right. Thank you. Matthew in Maine via the app. Thank you for listening. JMV, thank you. So many people think the NFL is rigged. I don't either. It's just bad officials. It makes for a better story, and it makes for a great argument. I'm right there with you. For those of you that believe that it's rigged, I am right there with you. You want to know why? Because there was not a time whenever I knew or had or was a part of a team that played in Bedford, Indiana, where I didn't tell everybody afterwards that we just got massively screwed. We all know these places around Indiana on our level, on the high school level, on any level, where you believe you go into only to get screwed. How many times do you think you're actually getting screwed? (laughs) Probably not much. Maybe a couple of times. But no, it makes for a great conversation. It will be legendary. 
Last night is something that they'll talk about in Cincinnati and will be debated in Cincinnati forever, but they're fortunate. They're fortunate in Cincinnati because they have a team that can get right back into that position again. Minor adjustments here or there. Good fortune of keeping your quarterback healthy. And I'm with you on this. If Brian Callahan turns into Zach Taylor, and I've said this all along, one of these days, these guys that we mentioned that I've kind of led the charge and not really being thrilled about or, you know, nothing that really knocks you over as far as name recognition, a couple of these guys are going to turn into something big, and then I will have to own that further down the road. But I'm prepared for it. I'm prepared for it. But you have to understand, it is one thing about the coach, and you want the coach to lead, and we'll talk about that, and that's great. But the the certain retooling of this team and the quarterback to lead you in the future, again, is hugely more important. Hey, JMV, as a former Jasonville resident in my youth, I can assure you there are no swamps. Shackamack State Park, yes, there is no doubt that Shackamack State Park has a swamp or two around it, Mark. (laughs) There's no doubt. Got to be there somewhere. Jamie, the Packers said they want to move on from Aaron Rodgers. If you were the Colts, no, I wouldn't. Not in a second. Not in a second. Find your guy, draft your guy. Find your guy and draft your guy. Well, wait a minute. What if the guy's not in the draft? Do you think one guy at the quarterback in this draft is not going to work out at a higher level? That's what I've said all along. Go out and find your guy. Don't settle on your guy. Damon writes this, Florida Atlantic cracking the top 20 after 20 consecutive wins. FAU, the Owls, led by Dusty May from Greene County. Number 19 in the AP poll this week. That's outstanding. Checkpoint, get me to a break here. What do you got? Hey, JMV. I tell you, uh, as far as a coach, uh, Colts coaching search, you know, anything less than Jim Harbaugh's, uh, to me, is a failure. So I know that's out the window, but I agree with you. I just don't think him and Ballard would have meshed very well. As far as the Colts go, on, uh, they should not trade up for that first pick. They have too many needs to go get a Bryce Young or a uh, um, uh, Stroud from Ohio State. And I think uh, Bryce Young, his body won't be able to absorb the punishment the NFL uh, puts out. Stroud, I think, he was good, impressive against Georgia, but, again, he was the benefit of uh, – Four offensive tackles in a center, because that's what Ohio State uh, recruits when they draft their off or recruits their offensive line. And six incredible receivers his first year and second year at Ohio State. But, you know, you stick with the fourth. You know, I kind of like that hooker from Tennessee. I think he's better than Levy's from Well, he's 24 years old and injured, isn't he, right now? Well, I, I still, a Tennessee had a fabulous year. If they don't lay an egg against South Carolina the last game, they're probably in the college playoffs because they beat Alabama earlier. 
So uh, I am glad that the Pacers signed Turner. I've been a component of Turner. I think he's uh, a fan of Turner. He's definitely a guy. And, yeah, looking forward to Saturday's game. I mean, that – it should be a fun one. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just want to see these guys. It's a must-win checkpoint tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Some guy named Davis sent me a tweet via DM last week getting on me about the whole Harbaugh thing because I was I was talking about it. And clearly, he has stated that he will not head off to the NFL. He has no interest in the NFL. And I said something like, he always leaves himself wiggle room, right? Oh, wiggle room, huh? Did you see? It was Palisaro, right, with that report where he last week talked to Broncos owner Greg Penner? Yeah, okay. No, he's not going to come here. I'm not suggesting that he is, but that type of stuff surrounding Jim Harbaugh makes me laugh. Jim Harbaugh is going to do the best for Jim Harbaugh. Nothing wrong with that, and I wish you were here. I would rather have him here than Ballard here. I mean, if it came down to choosing the two, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear, well, I don't know if he and Ballard would mesh. You know what hasn't meshed in the past six years? Winning and Ballard. That hasn't meshed. I'm not worried about what meshes with Chris Ballard. I'm worried about what this team can be transformed into sooner rather than later to even at the slightest resemble what everybody over the past couple of years has been told to expect. Jake Query, top of the hour, Miles Turner, 4 o'clock hour, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, 5 o'clock hour. Quick break. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, thank you so much for joining us inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Did you know when you get inside the lounge, you can listen, you can watch, and you can even participate. And then sometimes you can be motivated like Sean Rogers to call the show maybe not be an all-time show caller but you can be motivated inside the lounge via youtube live you can check that out it is oftentimes a much different conversation how should i put this different about some of the same things I think what I should tell you is the envelope can often be pushed there. So do it. Check it out today. JMV, I hate these maybe people about the Colts. I just, to me, look at what they're going to do. Player personnel-wise, which clearly has not worked. I don't care how many pro bowlers we're talking about, but it hasn't worked. And they have gone with veteran quarterback here, veteran quarterback there. I want them, and that's what you're supposed to do, and especially after six stinking years. Hard target, your quarterback in the draft, Even if it's not somebody I like, I don't care. Well, I might at the time, but I don't care right now. Even if it's somebody I don't like, 
opinions are going to vary, but find it and roll with it. And to me, that is far more important than who you end up coaching this football team. That's just me. Yeah, I did see this, let's see, last week. The Pacers are among around a dozen of teams, I think, in this case, that could be affected by the Bally Sports bankruptcy situation. I think what you read in a lot of these cases is the NBA is going to have to end up doing something about it. Yeah, let's. I saw that last week, too. Jim McCann's in Southern California. He writes this. Yesterday, I was asked about Ursay Saturday and the petition by a group of guys I was hanging out with, including guys visiting from New York, Boston, and Florida. It's obvious what's going on with the Colts is a joke nationally. And I did talk about this last week. I know, I know that people are voicing their opinion and... In terms of what I do as a talk show, to a degree, we don't squash that. I mean, if you're a, a jackass, we squash that. But at the same time, the petition signers, I think you could have presented the direction in which you want this team to go as the next head coach, again, without doing a rip job on one of the guys that helped bring to this city, to this market, its lone Super Bowl title. Sometimes I think we lose sight of that. I know everybody's supposed to be hardcore, tough. You do notice, especially those that are in a position like this, that's why I just always want to be me. But those that act truly hardcore, I'm going to say whatever I want. I don't care. You know, those guys in real life don't act like that. Not at all. Jeff Saturday didn't work out on an interim. And if you don't want him as the head coach moving forward, I completely understand it. I didn't want him either. I just thought that there were some better ways you could handle it. If you want to fire off a tweet to Jim Ursay, do it. But a petition? I don't know. A petition. I'm probably making more out of it and giving it more publicity than it deserves, but I just think it's incredibly silly. So there's a reason why, Jim, that your friends from New York and Boston kind of think it's jokey because it's silly. It just is. I wouldn't have done that. You guys did. I don't know what it's up to right now, if it's even been mentioned other than me today, but... Yeah, that's not something I would do. I have more, and maybe I have too much, but I don't think so. I guess that's what makes me older, uh, more veteran, more understanding of where this organization has been since its beginning stages here in 84 and respecting what that group did and respecting those within that group. That's how I look at it. That's across the board. And I don't want him as the next head coach either. I don't think he's going to be it. Unless the owner wants it that way. But I still have a level of respect for all those guys that gave this market something 
that nobody, I mean nobody here or nobody outside of here ever thought they were going to get. I think that buys you a great deal of respect. But in this case, I think it, I guess it bought you about what, 16, 17 years of respect and that's about it. Quick break and we'll come back. Jake Query is going to join us after four. Stephen Holder in the five o'clock hour. Miles Turner somewhere in between four and five about his new deal, his team, the future, and his teammates. That and more coming up in the four o'clock hour. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour is going to be right here. Miles Turner at some point before 5 here, too. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline right now. Miles Turner wrapping up his press conference, announcing his extension. And what's cool about it is all of his teammates are down there, too. All of his teammates are attending. Rick Carlisle, Kevin Pritchard. Up on stage with him right now. We'll talk to Miles at the bottom of the hour on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from the morning show. Kevin and Query weekday mornings here from 7 until 10 a.m. on The Fan. Jake Query joins us. What do you think about that two-year deal? I thought you could not have found a more beneficial deal for both parties in this case. You agree? Totally agree. First off, let me say thank you for having me on, John. And secondly, because I certainly understand how it works. If at some point during the course of our conversation, you've got to jump because Miles Turner becomes available, I totally understand and will not be offended when you look at you right there. Look at you. I I get that. People would rather hear from Miles Turner than than me. I totally understand. I think Um, think we've got some time here. Well, listen, I think this was a very beneficial deal for both sides, as you'd mentioned, because if you're Miles Turner, let's go back to when Lance Stevenson was a free agent after his initial contract with Indiana. And a lot of people laughed at Lance Stevenson for going to Charlotte and taking that deal. But if you recall, the thing that motivated Lance Stevenson was, and I can't remember the exact number of years, but I think it was that Charlotte offered him four years and Indiana wanted to give him five or thereabout. And everybody thought it was crazy because Charlotte didn't offer him as much money. But the four-year mark was when the next TV contract money was going to come up and the cap was really going to rise. And so everybody wanted to be a free agent in that particular year. Um, As I understand it, that's what this does for Miles Turner because he'll be able to renegotiate at the year when the new TV contract will open up and the cap will theoretically rise significantly. So it's going to be more beneficial for him financially to be a free agent once again in two years. But I also think for Indiana's standpoint, as they're trying to figure out exactly what pieces to run with and what pieces, you know, what they want to do. I think he is a very important part, John, you and I've talked for a long time and there were times where I I really felt like we were Gilligan and the skipper and the only two people on the Island, but we were the two people that were saying, look, they'd like for him to be here. I, I know that that was not a popular sentiment to a lot of people. I mean, he's a great guy, but as a player, but Indiana did a lot of exhaustive research in comparing between he and Sabonis and styles of play and what they wanted to do and how that works with Halliburton and the young pieces that they have. And they saw enough body of work to say, yes, we want the young players that we have to continue to grow with Miles Turner as part of the control of that experiment. And so it works well for both. It's a Jay Query morning show with us. You'd be surprised if they do any work. 
coming up by next Thursday of the NBA trade deadline? I would. I mean, you know, Buddy Heald is obviously a name that's going to come into play because I think he's coveted. I would be surprised if they make seismic changes. Now, you always the, – the word from the Pacers has always been, and the philosophy for the Pacers has always been, you listen to every trade and you make a move if it makes your team better. And if somebody came and offered them something that is absolutely going to make them better – then they would do it. But I don't know that they are going to be picking up the phone and actively, you know, you're always open, but I don't know that they're going to be actively trying to move any pieces. I think the one that I will readily admit to you, I had a pretty good feeling and a pretty good intel is the wrong word, but, but I was pretty confident. Let's say that I was pretty confident in saying that they wanted Miles Turner to be here. Buddy Heald, it would be disingenuous for me to say that I know either way. I mean, I think they really like him as both a a shooter and as a player. I think he is an integral part of that locker room. I think he's been a great teammate from the time he got here. But I don't know for certain what their thought process is on him. I I just I think that they, if an offer came for Buddy Heald that they can't pass up on, I don't think that they would be – gun shy of parting with him but i don't know that they're actively looking to part with him either so jay query who joins us it doesn't surprise me the massive ups and now combined with the massive down that we have seen from this pacer team does it change your train of thought regarding what we have seen at all the past couple of weeks yeah i mean that's obviously a really good point because with Halliburton, you know, I think what we've learned is this. The Pacers got off to a great start. They were ahead of schedule and they really looked like maybe they were able to be a contender right now. And they may still be a team that can contend for a final playoff spot when Halliburton's healthy. But what we clearly have learned is that they still are not a solid enough core to function without their central figure player. And I mean, a lot of teams are going to be like that. But I think they feel like they still need some maturity and some solidification at other positions. Notably, I still think they still desperately need a long defending wing that they can plug in. But they've got three first-round picks coming up. I think they covered those assets. Certainly they can flip them. But I think what they still want, John, I, I think this actually probably was good for them to fall five or six games under 500 and just kind of for water to find its level because it forces them to go back to what they were going to do this year anyway, which was get experience, get acclimated, and push all in with a young core. And it forces them now to do that. So, Jay Query with us. Anything excite you about this coaching search? And I said this earlier, and some people said, well, you know, others have been hired. I think I got a comment on Twitter. Nick Sirianni was not an exciting or an oh-wow hire in Philly. Uh, but what their quarterback has turned into is uh, what they got uh, via trade in A.J. Brown at wide receiver has been. Their offense in what it is now has been. And, oh, wow, thus, Jake, I have put a much higher level of importance on what you do in the offseason to retool and help out the offense and especially looking to the longer-term future at quarterback. Do you also view that coming up after they hire a head coach being much more important than what they do at head coach right now? Absolutely. When you look in the NFL, more often than not, there are very few coaches that are, you know, Andy Reid's 
had a great run, obviously, in Kansas City. But people forget, like, Andy Reid was basically kind of run out of Philadelphia, right? Or, you know, just like everything has an expiration date, I guess is a better way of saying it. And it comes down to who your players are. You know, when Donovan McNabb was playing at a high level, Andy Reid was a great coach. When Donovan McNabb started to regress, Andy Reid suddenly was expendable. Coaches oftentimes, with exceptions, but coaches for the most part, you got to have players, man. And you got to have open space, open field playmakers. You know, E. Higgins and Joe Burr and, 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 um, you know, Jamar Chase. I mean, those guys are weapons for Joe Burrow, right? Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, who's a playmaker, can make plays. I mean, they all across the teams that are remaining, as you just mentioned, A.J. Brown, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts with his legs. you got to have guys with speed that can make plays. And that's as important for the Colts as the coaching search is going to be, where do they find them? Jonathan Taylor is a very, very good open space player. But he's a running back, so you got to get him an open space to begin with. They've, they've got a long way to go. I mean, that roster needs playmakers, and they need – I'm really – I really do think Raheem Morris is going to be the hire. I, I, I just – I don't know why I think that. I just think that he checks a lot of boxes in terms of didn't, – Didn't somebody tweet that he was there for like 10 to 12 hours in an interview? What do you do 10 to 12 hours in an interview, by the way? Not suggesting that's true. I mean, was that lunch, breakfast, dinner, all of it? What? listen to a lot of Pink Floyd and check out guitars. I mean, what do you do for, I, I don't know is, no, if that's but, true but or not, but 10 to 12 is, hours is but what But that's been the case said. with a lot of them though, right? I mean, supposedly that's now the case. That's like the in vogue thing with these second interviews is you bring guys in and you walk through and you probably look at film and what would you do here? And what would you do this? I mean, I tend to agree with you. That would, that would lead you to believe that he's got to be the front runner. But at the same time, my understanding is others have been in the building pretty long too. So, you know, I, I don't know. But whoever it is, they're going to have to get a dynamic quarterback. They're going to have to get some complementary receivers that, that can make plays and extend plays. I, I just think – I don't think the Colts are starting totally from the ground up, but it feels to me like definitely a rebuild more than a retool. He is Jay Query. It seems like that if you're on average for this second round of conversations going – that length of time, you better keep good notes, I guess. <laughs> good Lord Almighty, how do you not you just remember? mix mix everything together and go? I don't know who's who and what's what. I know these guys are smart, but are they that smart? If they were that smart, they already have answers. Do you remember the number of times when I was in the running for the job <laughs> to become your coworker? How many times I called you to determine and assess my interviews? <laughs> I'm like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Should I read into this? Well, what's happening here? What do you think? And every time you're like, I don't know, man. I just work here. I got to get on the air. <laughs> I think I said, oh, it's all good. All good every time. Being positive knows, about right? it. Uh, Jay Query joins us. I know that we pick and choose oftentimes, you know, how we critique, how critical we are. Uh, in certain situations, and and with us in mind, it's more focused on in and around this area than it is outside it. But I felt compelled to bring this up in that first segment that I had today. Why why is it soft to feel a level uh, of sympathy for Joseph Asai for that play last night that led to that Chiefs win? Why is that such a bad thing right now? You know, I think there are a lot of people – that sports are an interesting dynamic. 
I think we live in a world where there are a lot of people that find a sports team or an athlete that to represent like an extension of their own masculinity or worth. And they think to themselves, like, I don't really belong to anything, but I'm a fan of X team. So that makes me better than you because my team's better than yours. And so when that happens, I think a lot of times you have people that have a disconnect as to the reality of the people that are athletes, the fact of what they're going through, and they consider them to be like this robotic machine that's supposed to just churn out results for them. And if they're on the other team, to you know that that may, that they are a lesser person or they're a lesser man or they're let, you know they're, they're they're soft to use your term. Um, you know his his story. And his background is, you know, some of the things, you know, being an immigrant that came to this country, I mean, he represents a lot of things that people should be very proud of. Um, And, you know, his family background coming from, I believe, Nigeria and coming to the United States. I don't know why people think it's soft. I think that we live in this world now where everybody feels like they've got to flex all the time and and show superiority all the time. And it's it's kind of tired, to be honest. Maybe it's always been that way. Maybe social media now just just illuminates it more. I don't know that answer, but no, I don't think it's soft. I think it's compassionate. I think it's understanding. And I think that more often than not, the people that have a feeling of the understanding of the humanity of watching a player go through the heartache of a disappointment like that are the people that have that compassion because they understand that sports is just a small part of life and that there's a bigger thing aside from it. People whose lives rest and rise under the performance of other people on the playing field, probably need a serious reality check. But those are the same people that would say that's soft. And I know I, I'm trying my damnedest, you know, not to be hypocritical because you will tomorrow. I probably will before the end of the show. Uh, we'll be critical on on something again. And I know that we we pick and choose. That's kind of the nature of this gig, and it's very easy for me to describe it that way. You know, that's kind of like I'm I'm cloaked in security of, well, it's my job to do that. But I just thought last night um, it, 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 it seemed like people were getting attacked for being sympathetic to his situation. Well, he's a millionaire athlete, and you know, well, you got to be tough, and you can't be soft. And I'm thinking, you know what? You can. It's okay. I, I think I would rather live in a world where people looked at it as, wow, that's that stinks. It was a penalty, and it probably did lead the Bengals to that loss, um, and be a little bit more understanding about it in that moment. I just, I just felt last night it was okay, uh, whereas a lot of people unfortunately didn't. And I thought that was, I don't think it was weird, Jake. I, I just think that that basically underscores who and where we are right now with a lot of folks. I don't know the guy at all, obviously. But you know what it looked like to me? That was a boneheaded play. And at first, when that play happened with the late hit, because he immediately like turned his ankle, or I think it was his ankle or his knee, but you saw him writhing on the sidelines in pain, aside from you know Mahomes was doing the same. And... My first thought was, did he lose his footing and was breaking his fall? Now, obviously, that was not the case. It was a clear late hit. It would be called 100 times out of 100, and it was a boneheaded play. But it's also a boneheaded play that we've seen a 1,000 times. And and if if it's in the third quarter against the Minnesota Vikings, probably nobody thinks about it. It's in the biggest moment. So it was the worst possible time for that. And while you could, there's two ways to look at it. You could say that he was, a bonehead that cost his team, 
Or you could say the fact that he was trying to make a play, he lost sight of where he was on the field, but that emotion and that disappointment and that heartache instantly, it wasn't like later. You could tell that it – I felt bad for the dude. I felt bad for the dude. And that doesn't make me soft. That doesn't make you soft. You know what it makes him? And people are going to hate hearing this. Yeah. I'm probably going to get killed for it. It makes him a good teammate because it shows that he knew he wasn't upset. I mean, he was upset with himself, but he was upset because he let his team down. He knew that he let his team down and it affected him to that level. And that shows me that he's a guy that cares about his teammates. And I can show you a lot of guys that have played professionally in this town, didn't care about their teammates. I'd rather have a guy like that that is upset and makes a boneheaded play and is upset because he let down his teammates than Victor Oladipo, who can't make a flight back from Miami when his team is trying to win in the playoffs and he misses his flight to come back and sit on the bench and support him. I'd much rather have the guy that actually cares. So Jay Query, The Morning Show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. All right, you got IU and Purdue. Purdue, number one, without question right now. Uh, both have two games, IU tomorrow in Maryland, riding a five-game losing, or check that, win streak. Sorry about that, Hoosier fans. Uh, Purdue, we know what they are, number one right now. They get Penn State at home coming up on Wednesday. Must-win situations Tuesday and Wednesday. And then what we have to have is, you know this because you spent so much time down there, as do I, there is nothing, and I mean nothing better than a huge February game in Bloomington where it is still winter time, but you get a little bit of a shot of spring. It's warmer than what it's supposed to be. Nothing better for that. Now, I don't think weather-wise we're going to get it. Are we going to get that February the 4th matchup that may be in the middle of a Big Ten season, but matters this hugely for the first time in a long time? Oh, it's great. I mean, just to, first off, to have both of them right are they still the only two ranked teams in the Big Ten? I think at least I haven't looked at the polls today, but um, it's huge, man. And, and you know, I go back and forth on, on between the two of them. I mean, Purdue obviously has the best player in college basketball, but Indiana's got a pretty darn good one. And Jalen Hood Shafino is, you know, his level now, the level that he's playing makes Indiana a different team than they were six weeks ago. And you know, when I said that I thought they were in, at risk of missing the tournament, kudos to Mike Woodson. I mean, kudos to him. They got it turned around. But there's just, John, you know, and Purdue's the best team in the country, obviously. But there was just nothing more fun growing up. And I know that we sit around and we're like the two old guys. At the yes, we do. I get it. I, okay. I'm, I'm secure with that. I'm okay with that. There was just nothing better than back in the day when you'd turn on the 6 o'clock news when you got home and they're live from Harry's or live from Nick's or they're live from – the Assembly Hall parking lot, and the whole state, man. Everybody's wearing red or black that day. And I mean, I think people, young people probably don't realize that for a 25-year stretch here, this state rose and set on Indiana-Purdue basketball and going against each other. I mean, it was a state split down the middle, man. It was awesome. So to get that back is super fun. And, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, it was a great question, When's the last time that the top two players in college basketball were both playing in the state of Indiana? Because you could make the argument that Edie and Trace Jackson Davis right now are the two best players in college basketball. And I I thought about it for about a half a second before it hit me. It would be Chaney and Glenn Robinson in 93. And also, and and in that year, Chaney was the player of the year. Robinson was right behind him. And this year, I think Edie's the player of the year. Trace Jackson Davis is right behind him. But it's awesome. It's super fun. Um, 
it's it stokes that rivalry back up, and I think there's going to be a lot of buildup going into that game. When's the last time you had the two best players, arguably, in college basketball in the same state here in Indiana, where more than likely neither will be a first-round draft pick? Yeah, boy, that's a great point. I mean, unbelievable. And I just was looking, I and I don't, you know, I, I said this earlier today. You know, to me, mock drafts often are just places things to mock, but they give you a barometer. They do. And yeah. I'm finally starting to see Jalen Hood Shafino's name there around the twenty to you know in the first round, and that's no surprise because he's you know he's great size. He's starting to, to play a little bit, but Jackson Davis, you're seeing like in the mid fifties, and Edie, I mean Todd Meyer. Our co or Bob Kravitz actually. Bob Kravitz said it this morning on our show. Twenty years ago, Edie's the number one pick in the draft. The game's changed. Yep. And you know, is he going to go out there and, and hit threes and, and guard Giannis? Probably not. I think somebody takes a flyer on him, but he's not a first rounder. That's a great point because yes, strange as it may be, I don't think either one of them is going to go in the first round. Who's the second most important player on Purdue's team? Depends on the game, but I would say. Probably Caleb in that game. It's probably Caleb first because they're going to have to come up with some different ways to guard Jackson Davis to keep, even though Edie's not a foul trouble guy. Um, but in March, it's going to be probably Smith because you've got to have good guards to win. You just have to have good guards, and they got. And if you've got two of them that are both inexperienced when it comes to the pressure of March, one of the two of them is going to have to be an upperclassman, you know, play like one. And it's probably probably Smith. Malik, Malik Renew, you mentioned Hood Shafino. Malik Renew is the guy that I look at with IU. And if he has turned a corner, whatever corner that might be, we make this crap up. But if he's turned a corner, to me, that is something that is going to bear worth watching for this IU team in terms of them continuing to grow and get better. Yeah, and I would put Geronimo on the same list, right? I mean, when the, the reality is when when Xavier Johnson and Ray Thompson were both hurt, they had you know they went through that skid there because they couldn't get anybody to give a supporting cast to Trace Jackson Davis. They need, you know you need a Robin. Geronimo finally started to give that to him, and then Hood Shafino, once he got healthy too and started getting in rhythm, gives him that. I think Geronimo is important to them as well. I mean to go back to that because when he played well, that kind of helped them turn things around. Renew is is you know the talent's there. And the body is there, um, but I feel like it might be next year before he really blossoms, just because of those that are playing around him. Yeah, just you just watch Renew. You watched him in the first half, then he didn't play in the second half. <laughs> so one possession, which was really weird in Minnesota. Um, I, I thought there, I thought that it was just all right. These are the guys that play the most, and you know I can't screw around here. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know. It was, it was odd to say the least, but you can just see him getting better. I, I guess what they say is getting it, and it seems like now he's at a point as a freshman where he's starting to get it. I hope. You know, I mean, they, they need him for sure. Um, They've got some talent. You know, the thing about Indiana, and I guess Purdue as well, if you look at the, you know, I'll be curious to see if Edie returns at Purdue. And then from Indiana's side, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, you know, they're going to need Malik Renew, for example, to really step forward because if Trace Jackson Davis, and he may come back. Trace Jackson Davis may come back if he's not a first-rounder because you're going to make a million and a half in NIL money. 
he might as well stay, right? But I think he, he I think he's ready to, to go. But you take Indiana's roster right now and you remove Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Hood, Shafino, you know, and, and then some of the upperclassmen they lose, what do you have next year, right? And Renew's going to be one of those they're going to have to heavily rely upon. So the time is now for him to start probably figuring out, but I still think it's next year before he really gets his foot in. Phil Collins, 72 years old today. What's your favorite Phil Collins song? Either solo or with Genesis or maybe even a duet, for example, like Philip Bailey. What's your favorite? I was just talking with Sean Copeland the other day, our coworker from who lets you take over on Saturday nights, about the fact of what a massive talent Phil Collins was and how from 1985 to 1988 he was probably the biggest superstar in musically on the planet. By the way, Phil Collins, my favorite cameo by him was when he was in as a 10-year-old boy, he was in Hard Day's Night when they showed actual footage right. of the Beatles in a train station. Right. Uh, but Take Me Home is my favorite Phil Collins. I like it. I had nothing wrong with that. I go, I go, and I'm not a big, the biggest Genesis fan in the world, but Genesis and Mama with Phil Collins, that's my favorite. I love Throwing that. Throwing It All Away by, by Genesis is a good one, too. But the, yeah. that invisible, the entire Invisible Touch album is fantastic. Mama's great, no question about it. All right. Tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m., you will hear him along with Kevin Bowen. It's Kevin and Query right here on The Fan. Jake Query's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Appreciate you, Jake. All right, John. Thanks. Uh, Jake Query on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Stephen Holder, 5 o'clock. Miles Turner scheduled in with us. Coming up next. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Happy 72nd birthday to Phil Collins. The favorite song of Phil Collins, either as a solo, a duet, or even as Genesis, is this one for me. This gets requested occasionally on the JMV Takeover, and it is always, as we like to say when we play music, a banger, which is nice. 72nd birthday of Phil Collins. I know in the air tonight, there's so many. I don't care anymore. So many. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Latest on the Colts head coaching search. The Super Bowl and more with Stephen coming up here at the top of the hour. Meantime, Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Signed a new extension, was at a press conference earlier today at Gambridge Fieldhouse. It is Pacer Miles Turner with us. Hello, Miles. How are you? Man, I'm doing amazing. You know, words can't describe how I'm feeling right now, so I'm just here. Well, well I'm going to let you, I'm going to give you the forum here. Describe how you are right now, because I'm assuming it's one of the better days of all time for you. What is that feeling like for you? Um, Euphoric at, at best. I think that's the best way I can describe it. I'm just... um. I'm just thrilled to be at the same place that I started. You know, I think that's one thing that bodes very special to me and bodes very special to this day is that the people who watched me grow up here, you know, are seeing the fruits of my labor pay off. And um, it's, it's very special to me. So I'm glad I can uh, get the deal done and just focus on hoops now. He is Miles Turner with us. How special was it to have your teammates be a part of this with you today? That was huge, man. Just knowing that uh, I had that support. You know, you can talk about the sport all you want to, but to actually – you know, see it uh, on a day like this was uh, it was big for me, man. And um, you know, hold special to my heart. I'm assuming because what we see on the floor that this is what you guys are all about. 
I mean, this is a team. This is a team that gets along. This is a team that plays well together. And this is a team that that gets with one another both on and off the floor. Is that what we've seen is what you know about this group right now? Yes, indeed. We're a very connected group. I think that we're we're continuing to grow our connection. Uh, That's the great thing about this season is that, you know, through the ups and downs, we still are able to build together and uh, still are able to – appreciate you know the um the rough times when everything's gonna bode well for us at the second half of the season so you know i think that um now more than we're focused you know we're we're getting ourselves back healthy and um i think the sky's the limit for this group as long as we continue to work i'm going to get to some of your teammates with you in just a second but if you wouldn't mind let's double back for example to late september early october would you have expected this day to come if i for example would have told you it was coming back October, late September? I wouldn't have found it hard to believe. I think that, um, you know, business is business. I think a lot of stuff gets uh, misconstrued in this industry. But, you know, I waited patiently. And uh, that was the one thing that I've always had is patience with this process. And, um, you know, I I knew anything could have happened. And um, this is definitely one of the possibilities. We certainly have seen the evolution of your game right before us. There's no doubt. Uh, What's been the most important part of that and we'll get to your teammates in a second but just for you individually what do you see for example this year that maybe has not been a part of your repertoire in the past um well just being a full-time five is uh one thing for me that's been special in my development the fact that i'm able to go out there and just play in a comfortable position and um i think it's led to me thriving this year and um, i'm only going to continue to get better you know i think that i'm just getting started with this journey at the five and um you know I still have a lot of years left in me, and um, I'm excited to spend the next few of them here. So, Miles Turner, with that extension, joins us from Gainbridge Fieldhouse. He's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. People ask me all the time here and watching you guys play what has been essential for you and in, in your development and your, your production this season. Um, and I start with Tyrese Halliburton because you can just see it like in, in one high ball screen action you you can see how much more willing of a passer an elite level passer he is looking for you which nothing against anybody in the past is just not a position you've been in you know in the past while you've been here how important has that been for your game especially production wise this year man I think it's been um it's been everything to me just having a guy that really tries to get me involved you know I think he makes it a, a mission to make sure I get going and um you know, I don't even think it's just me. I think that's how he feels about everybody. He just, um, you know, he's someone that's going to terrorize the East for, for years to come. He's an easy 20 and 10 guy, you know, perennial all-star. And I think that he's someone that can, um, uh, it's going to change the face of the organization. Um, you know, he's a special player and a special talent. And I'm glad to have him on my side. I think he's someone that, like I said, that just makes everybody better. And that's something that's, um, you know, not always easy to come by in this league. Well, I mean, again, he he's a threat to score. I mean, really a threat to score, but it, it just, it, to me, it looks like that you, you anticipate when he has the ball, it coming to you. Whereas in the past, maybe you don't. Is that a good way to put it? And it's nothing against the guys in the past, but that's just kind of the way you look more ready because you believe that that pass is coming at you now. Well, yeah, I think Tyrese is much more of a pure point guard. The point guards I played with in the past were more like scoring guards or guys that you know, we're playing, um, you know, combo guard and whatnot. And, you know, I've played with some great point guards here. So, like I said, it's not a knock on them whatsoever. But, you know, the one I'm playing with now, I think that it's more natural for him to, uh, you know, get guys going. He's someone who kind of feasts off of, uh, 
you know, seeing other guys eat and whatnot. So that definitely makes uh, my life a lot easier. So, Miles Turner with us. You were drafted here. Uh, you've been here the entirety of your career so far. How important is you? Uh, how important is it for you to want to remain here? How important is Indy to you? Indy is everything to me, man. I told you, coming in here my rookie year, being embraced like I was embraced, that's something that I feel like may not always happen with pros. You know, you might feel some fake love here and there, but I feel like the love for me is genuine here. You know, I've been here since I was 19 years old. This city has seen me and helped me grow up. And uh, having my roots here and and, uh, continuing to grow here is something that um, I don't take for granted. You know, I think that it doesn't happen a lot with NBA players. They stick with their organizations for, you know, the amount of time that I have. And, um, you know, I want to continue to be a part of something special and um, grow there and get to that point again. You know, I've been a part of some good teams here. And this team definitely has the potential to be or supersede that. What kind of potential do you see in this group moving forward, Miles? I, I see a playoff berth for us, man. I and mean, whatever happens from there happens. I think that, you know, you have to start somewhere. And for us, it's uh, getting back into that postseason form. You know, I think that um, that's something that I want for this group more than anything. A group of guys that works like this deserves to be rewarded. And um, the postseason is definitely where all that comes into place. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to, you know, being able to go out there and just play basketball and not worry about anything but hoops now, you know? Well, it, it seems like that that has, that has been the case oftentimes. You know, if not, you block things out really well. What, what I gather is you look like you're more of a, a vocal leader on the floor this year than you ever have been. Is that fair to say? Definitely fair to say. I've definitely grown in my leadership skills, uh, something that, um, I know it was necessary for me to take the next jump in my development was, you know, being that vocal leader and being that guy that people uh, pay attention to and listen to. And I think they know it's coming from a good place and they respect the way that I work and go about my business. So um, it makes it a lot easier to uh, work with a group like that who's so receptive. Does your relationship with Rick Carlisle, your head coach, allow that certainly too? Absolutely. Me and Rick do have a great relationship. He's one of the um, one of my favorite head coaches I've had just because of our, our relationship and the way he's able to, you know, get his point across. You know, he's not someone who's going to sugarcoat anything. He's going to tell you like it is, and I respect that. You know, when we come into this business, you know, we're in the business of winning games, and that sometimes comes with, you know, um, uh, some harsh truths. And that's something that, you know, I've been able to, you know, look myself in the mirror and um, uh, take part in. And I think that's a lot what my team has started to learn as well, you know, being young in this league. Was there a point not so long ago where it was difficult to deal with harsh truths at the time, hearing that from somebody, where have you kind of grown into being able to take that and then transfer that into a positive moving forward? Absolutely. When you come into this league as a young player, you hear, you know, most of the time you spend your whole entire life being told how good you are and how great you are. You're the show, the one, this, this, and that. Then you get to the league and you're in uh, within a group of people who've been told that same thing their entire life as well. So when you have somebody telling you, some harsh truths or whatnot, you know it's coming from the right place. And, um, you know, that's what makes it easier for me. You know, I've had coaches in my career who have just, you know, been able to tell me like it is. And um, that's really helped grow my, you know, really my mentality and just my uh, my game uh, throughout my career. Yeah, it, it, what's also interesting to watch, you, 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 you grow with certain – you know, your team members, certainly, but guys you play against that, you know, it's all fine and dandy after a game, right? I mean, you shake hands and, and say, hey, great, but they're out there to whip your ass. 
right, man. There's yeah, no absolutely. doubt about that. And they may, they may be nice to your face and all, but when they're on the floor, there's no more nice in the NBA, certainly. And, and that's something I, I would think that it would take because you're a, a basketball lifer, um, you know, through obviously early stages, high school, one year collegiately as well. That probably takes a bit to get used to. Oh, for sure, man. You're coming in here at 19, 20 years old. you got guys that are trying to feed their families or, you know, uh, guys that have been in this league for a long time and haven't got the opportunity that you've been handed. So um, you, there's definitely a growth and maturity aspect that comes, you know, with coming into this league, and that's why it helps to have good vet, uh, good vets and um that's what I'm striving to be for my, my team, my unit as well. That is uh, Miles Turner with us. Before I let you go, can you at all let us in on the uh, the back and forth between John Morant's dad and what was going on on the floor last oh, man, night down in a, Memphis? That's just the fun of the game right there, man. I feel like once you step in between the lines and people get to talking, you know, me personally, it it helps me to compete more. And I think that's all it was. It was all in, it was all in, uh, all in good sport. <laughs> and, um, you know, the boys are just chirping, man. And it's just uh, – you know, it just makes for basketball that much more fun. Is that something – I was curious. It looked like uh, Andrew Nimhart, you know, he had a response there. Is that something you go up to him and say, hey, this is just what happens, or you just kind of let him grow at that moment? Nah, you got to let him rock. And I feel like he doesn't back down to anybody. And I feel like that's what, what that moment was. You know, I wasn't out there on the floor, but I, I do know the guys that have in this locker room and any competition like that, you know, you don't run from that. That's the type of stuff you embrace. So – uh, I'm glad he's getting that experience this early. Yeah, it's, uh, Miles Turner with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, thanks for joining us. I know it's been a very busy day, and uh, fantastic to see you here with that extension. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep raising that game and uh, get back to winning again. I know, again, this has been a difficult stretch for you, but all in all, you can still certainly see the growth together in this group right now, can't you? Absolutely, man. And, um, you know, that early success, I think it was a good thing and a bad thing for us. Right. And now we're, uh, um, you know, it's going to make us so much more work than we're back up on top, you know, as I know we can get to, you know, going through this stretch right now. So, you know, all in, it's all in good spirit of the game, man. That's uh, Miles Turner with us. Next up, I believe, Thursday night, right, with uh, LeBron in town. What do you think LeBron yes, plays indeed. Thursday? We'll see, man. He's on the hunt right now. And, um, you know, he's someone that – and do something very special this year. So, you know. Scroll, don't let him do it here. Slow him down. Don't let yeah, him do it slow here. Down. You got to slow him down. I got you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's going to play in Brooklyn tonight. I know that that's a question, and that certainly would would hinder him trying to break Kareem's record on Thursday. But, yeah, just let him do it someplace else, further down the road. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I appreciate you, Miles. Thank you. All right, I'll take it easy. That's uh, Miles Turner on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I said this last week. He's going to do it. It's inevitable. I don't think he's playing in Brooklyn tonight, is he? He being LeBron James on the Lakers? He's not playing? I don't know. He didn't play, uh, was it yesterday or two uh, nights ago? I can't remember. They were on a back-to-back, and he it was the game after Boston, so Saturday night. He did not play. I, I bet he plays tonight. I, I thought I was told where he was or heard that he wasn't. I'll have to check for you here. Hold on. What would he have to do to break it here or have a chance I think it's to like it I think with him sitting out the Saturday night game, he that would have to score it? like fifty or something. I I don't know. Well, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that done here, do you? Heck no. Yeah, you don't want that done here. Now nah, that's an interesting story. Oh yeah, he has been ruled out. All right, so he's not playing in Brooklyn. So there's no way he's going to do it then. 
or have a chance to do it here on Thursday. No, I think he's trying to do it on TNT against the Bucks. Oh, really? On that national stage, and isn't that where Wilt ended his career? Or started? I can't remember. No, that's where Kareem, oh, Kareem you're talking about. Yeah, Kareem did start yeah, his sorry, career. Yeah. yeah, no, he started his career in Milwaukee. Yeah. That's that's the symmetry that they're trying to put together for this? That's my thinking. That's weird. That's my thinking. There are not five people that have a great deal of recollection about Kareem being the former Milwaukee Buck. <laughs> that's weird. Anyway, Miles really good. If you missed any of that, that podcast will be up here shortly. 1075thefan.com. That extension that clearly he feels incredibly good about right now. And you should you. You should as well. I mean, then let's just say you're not a fan. There is flexibility on both sides here. So it was good for both. Now, the one thing that would stand out about the conversation is how he gets along, how this team gets along together. And this has been a difficult slide. What, a win in nine, I think, is what they're on right now? And when he mentioned that early in the season when they played at a higher level and played well, you know, that that can be a bit of fool's gold, and it has been. So... I love the fact that his teammates were all there, too. Quick break, and we'll come back. If you missed any of it, 107.5thefan.com, up via podcast. Stephen Holder, top of the hour, 93.5, 107.5thefan. The Ride with JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did. (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Miles Turner just signed an extension with the Pacers. Just joined us on the show, the podcast 107.5thefan.com. If you missed it, had a lot to say regarding this moment. Got a lot to say about his teammates, the growth of this team, what they're going through, the early up and now the significant down. Uh, the other night, actually last night, not the other night, but last night in Memphis, John Morant's dad. Is that T? Is that his name? T Morant? T. Memphis had a number of dudes wearing sunglasses indoors in the front row seats last night. How many people should be allowed to wear sunglasses indoors for the sake of their look and being cool? I've always said this before. Jack Nicholson would be among the less than handful of those that should be allowed to do it. Would you agree with that? Who else should be allowed to do it? Yeah, I know. Sunglasses at night, Corey Hart. But no, sunglasses indoors for the look. Not to block out the sun. For the, hey, I'm really cool look. How many more besides Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholson, his body of work, he deserves that. You guys notice that? Well, I mean, those that are visually impaired, BT, yes. I should have added that as well. I'm sorry. 
Alex writes this, John Moran has quickly gone from one of my favorites to one of my least favorites with his cringe-worthy behavior most nights. Yeah, I'm not going to try to all defend Shannon Sharp last week. Again, SPT, visually impaired Ronnie Millsap. I know. (laughs) I know. That's why I said for the look, because it's a cool look. Used to get that a lot if you remember, right? Used to get that a lot when the Pacers played Miami in a couple of Eastern Conference finals. Get that look. That's why I had coined, you know, the the word Dracar. It's kind of different like Miami back in the day. Miami back then with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Bosh, they brought out the Dracar at the Fieldhouse. Last week with Chicago in town, they... They bring Northwest Indiana here, and that brings out the body odor. So it's a little bit different. The difference between Chicago and Miami. Both ends of the scented spectrum right there. And you know what about Dracar. Some may still do it. Some certainly have done it in the past, most notably in the 1990s. A little bit of that goes a long way. One squirt of that stuff on your skin, you will be tracked for the next week. That stuff will not wash off. Now, body odor will. Hey, JMV, my buddy is hilarious at saying, quote, the only people who can wear sunglasses indoors are rappers, actors, and a-holes. <laughs> quote. <laughs> That's a bit shout out right there. Of course, minus the medical reasons, which I have documented here. I like that. Rappers, actors, and a-holes. There are a lot of them on the sideline yesterday of that Memphis game. Eddie ever rock sunglasses indoors? Only to be... Uh-oh. Uh, we an have idiot. a caveat. Only to be an Caveat idiot. alert Like, here. if I'm just messing around with people, yeah, I put them on just for fun. But no, I don't just no. casually wear them inside to wear them inside. Get back to Alex's tweet here, too. As much as I did not like what Shannon Sharp did, and again, I just don't like that whole morning show screaming and yelling and act like you're caring about everything when in fact you don't type of programming the Memphis guys they talk a lot and I hate to say it because there's so many Indiana dudes on that team but man they yeah now granted it's Morant it's Dylan Brooks like two of the guys probably talk the most but I like Bain and LaRavia. The uh, Indiana guys. I, Jaron Jackson, I guess, was at Park Tudor. I don't know if I would reference him as an Indiana guy. John Conshaw was at Fort Wayne. He's originally from, I think, the state of Illinois. But Desmond Bain played high school hoops here. Jake LaRavia played high school hoops here. 
So I'd like to see them do well just because of the Indiana influence. But they can, Alex, I would agree with you, be a little bit much. A little bit much at times. If you have a kid, Eddie, that is ever a superstar athlete, will you wear sunglasses and sit courtside at all of his games? I would not make a jackass of myself. I would not wear sunglasses. Now, if I got courtside (laughs) seats, I would most definitely sit courtside and watch my son or daughter play whatever sport that is and be a respectable parent, but I I would not be an idiot like a LeVar Ball or a T. Morant. LeVar Ball's kind of gone away. I know. I think everybody loathes T. Morant right now a heck of a lot more than they even think about LeVar Ball any longer. Uh, Alan Stanley writes this. So LeBron played Saturday. He's been crying about that missed call since Saturday night. Now, Lakers lost in overtime in Boston on Saturday night. Uh, Jim McCann says, Miles was awesome. The guy really loves his teammates and Indy. Regent Bryan, who is a complete jackass, yet he's right here. I love it. I need my level of entertainment. Regent Bryan says there's a reason why JMV isn't doing the show in sweatpants today. In fact, I have basketball shorts on today. Thank you very much. Regent Bryan, you generic cigarette smoking carton a day dude. Region Brian. JMV. Does this Miles Turner interview classify as a sports arousal from Rex Hampton? JMV, have you noticed where Will Clark started following you because you sent out that tweet of him utilizing the Black Magic Easton bat back in 1985 from Mississippi State? I did notice that. I actually I mentioned that to Eddie Garrison down on the fifth floor a little bit earlier before the show. I did notice that. Will the thrill, everybody. That's outstanding. (laughs) Yeah, Stevie Wonder is definitely cool. He can get it at both angles. So can Ronnie Millsap. I like Ronnie Millsap a great deal, too. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Stephen Holder about the coaching search. Stephen Holder about the offseason. Stephen Holder about the next up quarterback. And maybe a little bit about the Super Bowl matchup with Kansas City and Philadelphia and what was yesterday in the championships in the AFC and the NFC. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com slated to join us next. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. What did you say? You need a water break. You need a water break. Water is for cowards. Water makes you weak. Water is for washing blood off that uniform, and you don't get no blood on my uniform. Boy, you must be outside your mind. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jay Query Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. The morning show host along with Kevin Bowen earlier on the show. Variety of things that we talked about with Jake. Miles Turner just joined us as well. The entire Pacers squad joined him at his press conference to announce his Pacers extension in the 4 o'clock hour. Actually, that was 3.30 for that. He joined us 
at 4.30. Talked about the extension. Talked about how meaningful it is being here, staying here, the team around him, what he likes, the evolution as a player for him. There's a lot of good stuff in that conversation. If you missed any of it, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Nah, he was really good a little bit earlier. Hey, JMV, the same people who started that petition also want you to get off their lawn, would like to see a manager, and are looking to burn books like it's the 1960s. They need to get a life. I understand you want to voice your opinion. I don't mind that. And really, I don't mind what you're doing signing a petition if you want to i guess that's what you want to do i just wouldn't regardless of what jeff saturday did not do as an interim head coach if you want to fire off stuff fire it off via twitter to the owner i don't know why you have to do the whole petition thing because again you got to keep this in mind i know a lot of you won't because you feel like it's soft and you want to act like you're hard and you're really not but again It's not a soft opinion. He was incredibly meaningful in an era and a Super Bowl win in which most of us around here, to the younger generation you would not understand, most of us around here absolutely understand as back in the day, never thought they would even touch it. So I would just be one to not so much try to besmirch somebody that didn't mean so much to this team and its lone Super Bowl title. That's just me. That's just me. It has nothing to do with his coaching. I had suggested all along that it not be Jeff Saturday, but I still have a tremendous amount of respect for what he accomplished here. I know some of the younger generation, you don't know that. You didn't live through it. All right. That's why I'm here to tell you about it. That's why I'm here to make you understand, help you understand what it was actually about. And maybe respect it a little bit more. It's okay. You don't want him as a coach, don't want him as a coach. But a level of jackassery goes above and beyond, I think, after just tweeting the owner, which he probably would see a lot of those anyway. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, he covers the Colts. Stephen Holder joins us. I'm kind of curious. Um, last night, how would Colts fans address the Joseph Osai subject today? Mm. Um, that's a good question. You mean if, if it were a Colts player? Is that what you're saying? If that were a Colts player in a Colts situation, because here's what I said earlier. Um, there was a lot of pushback last night to those that wanted to be sympathetic to his situation. And while we kind of pick and choose where we're critical, those moments and times in which we're critical, I also would understand that it's okay to be critical of the boneheaded play, but also be sympathetic to what that dude was going through, regardless yeah. of him being a professional athlete, being 22 years old and having a lot of money. That doesn't play. I, I still think you're allowed to be sympathetic. That doesn't make you soft, right? It doesn't make the person that's unsympathetic to it harder than anybody else. I just think it makes you a jerk more than anybody else. 
Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I mean, it was I, – I mean, listen, I will be the first to admit, my, my take on it immediately afterward was that is one of the worst penalties it is. I've ever seen in terms of – in terms of, of not understanding the situation and just making uh, just a god-awful mistake given the stakes of, of what was on the line, right? Probably top ten for me. Like, I can't believe he did it. At the same time, some of the stuff that was said about him from his own teammates, apparently, <laughs> some of the, yeah. the video that was captured, right. awful and, and indefensible, just absolutely Well, I mean, awful. we live in a world where, where you know, you Stephon Diggs last week, you know, doing yeah. that in, in yeah. front of everybody to one yeah. of the league's best quarterbacks. It's That's lame as hell. I'm sorry. It's just lame as hell. Yeah, and, and I don't – I think what you're getting at is, and I agree, is – it has to be either or, right? You have yes. it has to be one extreme or the other. There's nothing. There's there's no room for any sort of uh, understanding in the middle or or any kind of um, just you know rationale where it's doesn't have to be on an extreme, right? That's just kind of the world we live in, and and social media promotes it. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. But I agree. I, to your original question, I think what would the Colts fan base or how would the Colts yes. fan base react? I, I think it would be much like the rest of the country. I think very mixed. And, and that's not a, a swipe or negative about Colts fans. I think they're just like everybody else. There's all kinds. <laughs> you know, I think it would be very mixed. I think there would be a, se- a segment who, who would understand and be sympathetic to the guy. And I think there's another segment who – wouldn't want to hear it. And I'll give you I just in closing, I'll, I'll give you one example of how we know that uh, there are people who will never have any sympathetic view toward Andrew Luck and the decision that he made. Right. It's not the same thing. But my point is, it, it was it was something where you had to have some nuance. Right. And you had to understand, OK, look, this really, really, really sets my team back as a fan. But at the same time, I can look at this as a human being and understand why he did what he did, right? There are some people who can't get there. It'll probably be the same as as for most people, I think. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Have you heard of a length of time that the second round of coaching interviews are going with the Colts and what might ultimately be their next head coach length of time-wise? What's the average here? Um, I, I don't know that we are um I, I don't think that anything is imminent let's put it that way certainly don't get that impression at all I, I do think that they are going to probably take the majority of this week is my guess just kind of taking in all of the information and bits and pieces that that we've been able to glean so you know when does when does that kind of um, put us on track for an actual decision. That's that's a little harder to say. I, I think it depends on on how much agreement there is among the stakeholders, right? And and we know who most of those are. Uh, we know who the biggest stakeholder is, certainly, right? The man who owns the team. But I, I think it, it depends on how much agreement there is. I, I think sometimes when you do these things, it, it becomes very obvious to you. But but they are. It appears adding to that final list of candidates. Uh, I think Brian Callahan, apparently they're trying to set something up there. So that would be, I believe seven uh, candidates with uh, a second interview. So that's a lot to work through. If these interviews are, as we have learned, 
you know, going sometimes, you know, an entire day, there is a lot of information to work through there. And I don't think this is something you can just do on the fly and, and come to a consensus that easily. I'd agree. I, I mean, I hope they're taking some hardcore notes here. Yeah. Right. I have some thoughts on that too, just in general. Please and this is, share. This is more, this is more from Chris Ballard's perspective. I, I tried to articulate this on Twitter yesterday. If people want to look at my timeline, but go back to 2018 and the coaching search that year, the original uh, destination or target, I should say it was Josh McDaniels. And how did, how did they get to Josh McDaniels? My recollection was, all right, yes, they did do a number of, of interviews and they had a legitimate search, but from all indications, Chris Ballard was pretty focused on Josh McDaniels throughout that process. I'm not saying it was a slam dunk, but it it became clear pretty quickly that he was a front runner. And this is going about, or they're going about this search very, very, very differently. I think that's a good thing. And Chris Ballard talked about this in his press conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, we don't want to go into this thing with any preconceived notions. We're not, you know, going in completely open-minded. And I think that is a takeaway from the failures he had in the Josh McDaniels coaching search, which led to Josh McDaniels pulling out the night before his scheduled press conference. So that's my theory. And those are my thoughts, just kind of taking it all in. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I wasn't surprised. Um, Are you surprised that Frank Reich found a new home as a head coach before the Colts have even come close to zeroing in on anybody? Uh, No, I think it it really boils down to that was a a product of the Panthers knowing specifically what they wanted. Uh, I think they wanted credibility for sure. And, you know, not that Matt Rule didn't have credibility at the college level, but, but certainly at the NFL level, he didn't have it. And, and that just didn't feel like that was a very successful hire by any measurement, right? Uh, they also, it seems, uh, wanted a, an offensive coach. That was, that's, those were the reports coming out of Charlotte, that they wanted a, a coach who had an offensive background. So he meets that standard. And so – you know, Steve Wilkes, very strong candidate, obviously, but, but maybe him being on the defensive side was a little bit of a deal breaker there. I don't know, but it, it does seem like that was a pretty important thing. So my point is, I think Frank checked their boxes, you know, and, and, and he, maybe he meshed with the owner particularly well. Um, every team's process is different. The Colts, I think, are deliberately having a very wide open and expansive process and uh, we'll see if that uh, is the right call. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us. I can't remember if I've asked you this or not. I don't think I have. I have described this coaching search as being incredibly important, but not scratching the surface of importance to finding what I believe is going to be their quarterback for the long-term future coming up in the draft. And also, you can add a little bit of a side note to that, and that is helping retool this team, especially with some offensive positions in mind to get them on the path to being good again. I find I find basically March through the beginning of May much more important than this head coaching search. Do you? That is a good question. I, I think there's mm, – I would say there there are probably equal parts important 
so I, maybe I'm not agreeing totally, but, but I also don't think you're far off. I, I do think if you watch the playoffs and maybe not even just the, the teams in the Super Bowl, but just the teams that advanced, you know, to the last couple of rounds, you can look on the field and you can see the kind of star power they had out there, right? I mean, it's, it's undeniable. There's no question about that. Now, they have good defensive linemen and, and, and solid uh, blocking and, and those fundamental things too. But, you know, I see a whole lot of perimeter talent as well. And I see uh, defensive talent, for example, like in the secondary and places like that, the preeminent positions. There's no question about it. Um, look, you talk about Cincinnati, for example. Everybody talks about, and I know they lost, but everybody talks about Jamar Chase. One of the things that I think Cincinnati really, I think, highlights is they have this this preeminent receiver in Jamar Chase. But then you look at guys like Boyd and you look at Higgins, and it's like, huh, who's going to defend those guys, right? I mean, Higgins, I think, is one of the more underrated players in the entire league, man. This guy they can't defend him one-on-one and he benefits from Jamar Chase being out there. So what I'm saying is like, they have, they have stockpiled the talent. I don't know if they'll be able to keep all these guys, but whatever, they have stockpiled the talent at such key positions. It makes defenses have to make choices and those choices are hard, man. So now you go over to the Colts and you look at it that way. And I'm not, this is not a, a knock on Chris Ballard going cheap at wide receiver necessarily. I thought that their receivers were fine, but that's all they were was fine. I can't go further than that, you know? And I think it's not about being good enough. It's a matter of, do you have enough to go out there and put stress on people defensively? And that's what I think they're lacking. I mean, they're, they have one really truly, truly elite player in offense. It's Jonathan Taylor, who didn't have an elite season, but nevertheless, and then there's Michael Pittman, who's a good but not great player. And that's, that's just not enough to keep people up at night, you know. And so I think if that's where you're trying to go, if, you're, if you are trying to be like the teams that have been playing the last couple of weeks, well, then that's, that's just one of the things you've got to do. That's just a reality right now in today's NFL. So you mentioned Jonathan Taylor had surgery last week. Um, yes. Your thought on how you expect him to bounce back and – I'm curious, are are the Colts, and I hate to put it this way, everybody else does, all in on him longer term here, or is there kind of an evaluation process compared to what they're about to embark upon with a quarterback for the long-term future and, and all that in mind? And I, I guess this is in terms of just the overall viewpoint of that position running back in the NFL in this era in general. Yeah, so this is an interesting question. I, I'll answer the first one first. You know, how do I expect him to bounce back? I, I think he's going to be fine. And I'm not talking about the injury, but I mean just in terms of, like, his ability. I, I think we saw, we saw Sparks this year, but he just was never healthy. And you can go back to week one. That looked like Jonathan Taylor to me, you know, but before he started kind of having physical issues. Uh, against the Jaguars a week later, he, he didn't look very good, but I didn't think that was on him. I thought there were other factors involved there. But, you know, I, I thought when when he got to feeling like himself, and I would say week one, I would say what was the other game where he had a big day? Uh, the Raiders. Now, the Raiders were terrible on defense, but, but my point is that was coming off the bye week, right? He had had some rest. The ankle was feeling better. When he felt good last year, Jonathan Taylor looked like Jonathan Taylor. 
It just didn't happen very often because he was hurt. So, so I, I feel relatively confident there. I think the more complicated question is how do the Colts handle him in the future and, and in the long term? And I think, obviously, you're talking about a long-term commitment contract-wise as well. So, you know, you've, you have different ways of handling this. You see the, the Raiders who did not commit to Josh Jacobs. He went out and led the NFL in rushing this year, and now he's going to make probably even more money than he would have. So they did not commit to that fifth-year option on his, his rookie contract. So that's going to be an interesting uh, situation to play out. Now, as it relates to, to Jonathan Taylor, he's a, he's a second-round pick, so this is going to be a contract year coming up. I think there are some exceptions to, uh, to, to the running back rule, if you will. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, we have gotten to a point in the league today where running backs are kind of disposable, we think of, right? And just move on and get the next one, right, when, when a guy starts getting expensive. But there are some exceptions to that, and I think there's not many, but I think Jonathan Taylor perhaps is one of them. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go out there and give him some Ezekiel Elliott contract. I mean, the Cowboys are paying the price for that, okay? Let's, let's be honest. But at the same time, I don't know if, if, if maybe they went too far with their commitment to Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe he wasn't on that level. Maybe he was a product of what was happening around him more than just being purely special in his own right, if that makes sense, right? So you, as, as an organization, you have to figure out, is your guy in that category or not? And I think they lean toward Jonathan Taylor being in that category. You expect Frank Reich to maybe poach anybody from this staff? And, you know, obviously all this is in flux anyway because they don't have a head coach here as of this moment. But uh, anybody that I guess, I'll phrase it differently, anybody that was on this mm-hmm. staff this past year you expect to end up in Charlotte? Well, I would say, and no one has has confirmed this to me or anything, but just my, my educated speculation would be that Parks Fraser would probably wind up in Charlotte. I could see that happening. Now, he's been sort of a, a protege of Frank, and, and I think they have a very close relationship. I could see that happening. Now, beyond that, I think what's happened is the last couple of years, this staff has, has changed a lot. So it's not, as, it's not as likely that there would be as many guys to go as there would have been in the past. So, you know, Sirianni uh, took some, took some uh, members of the staff. Last year, uh, you had other other members who have moved on in other places, you know, Frank has, has let his staffers, you know, have upward mobility, which is admirable. It's probably hurt him <laughs> to be completely honest, but he's given them the opportunity to have that upward mobility, even when the Colts had the opportunity to, to block those, um, those departures. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, there's Scott Milanovic. They have a relationship uh, so we'll see what happens there. You know, could he find a home there? Possibly. Um, so I don't know, but I, I just don't think it's going to be a wholesale, you know, take everybody who the Colts don't keep to Charlotte kind of deal for Frank Reich. I, I don't think so because this the staff has been frankly uh, heavily impacted with departures the last couple of years. Stephen Holder joins us. I can separate the two. One being what Jeff Saturday meant here as a player. Um, and certainly being a huge piece as to why this town, this market won a Super Bowl when nobody ever thought when they first got here in 84 they would have a chance in hell to do so. And, you know, not lump 
Jeff Saturday entirely into the whole FUBAR since he was on the interim with that one win and the way the season went down. Uh, clearly, a lot of fans cannot. So not only are they firing off tweets to Jim Irsay, but also they fired up a petition last week about it. Now, I wouldn't do that, the petition. However, I understand you got people that have been out of shape about where this team is, this organization is right now. I guess what I'm asking, do you think that Jim Irsay notices that particular feedback that he is he is being thrown at him or is being thrown at him via social media here? Uh, I would say he is relatively aware of of the fact that there is there is definitely sentiment out there that's negative toward him. He is he's absolutely aware of that. That I can I can tell you that for a fact. Do you think now, that has any effect on him? Yeah, that's the next question, right. Um, I, I know he doesn't like it. <laughs> he, he really doesn't like it, right? I mean, it, it matters to him to be well-liked. And, and I don't mean like it's a popularity contest. I, I mean that, you know, he likes being embraced by his fans, you know, because, I, and I think he, for the right reasons, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's, it's like, ah, oh, why are they mad at me? No, I don't think that. I, I think, you know, he... The, the, the fans, the relationship with the fans is actually like important to him, you know, as an owner. And I, I think that's admirable. So if you ask me, does he care what those fans think? Well, yeah, yeah, I absolutely think that he does. Uh, I also know that uh, it matters a lot to him um, that he's uh, perceived to be someone who is good at ownership and, and, and having good stewardship of the team. That is very important to him. Um, so if if that um, if, if if that sort of impression is affected, if the impression of him as an owner is affected, you know, will he be aware of that? Would he care about that? The answers are all yes. the The question then, as you said, is is what impact does it have? I, I think it's at least on his mind. Now, I am not going to sit here and tell you he's going to do something solely because of how he is viewed. Um, that's that's probably not accurate, but. But I can't throw it out and say it's not a variable for him because I don't think that's true. So I don't know if that helps much, but I, but I think it's I think he is definitely aware. And the question is, how much does it bother him, and and how much would it impact? any course of action he makes. That's the part that's a little unclear. Well, and a lot of people, Stephen, suggest that I am talking about, you know, the effect it may have in in considering, oh, well, you know, there's no way I can do this right now. I definitely have to go a different direction. Yeah. I, my point is, I think all this peppering of him and that petition of him about the guy that he handpicked for the interim position will fortify his position. On Jeff Saturday, not take away from it, but <laughs> fortify it. What say you? I, I got what you're saying. Yeah. So there actually is a part of me who agrees with you, <laughs> and part of me thinks, okay, you know what? Uh, he he may just double down and say, well, I think I'm right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna prove it. Right? There is a part of me that thinks that, and I say that because, I mean, he has expressed some things. If you go back to that press conference and then some subsequent conversations that I've had with him and others have had with him, we've written this stuff, right, um, where he's, you know, tried to sort of uh, express the, the choice of Jeff Saturday as, you know, as being vindicated for that choice and, and why he did it and, and ex- explaining himself two and three and four times as to why he did it, right? That is, I think, an effort to explain 
that it was well thought out and that and that it, it was a uh, it was a solid decision. So that's important to him. On the other hand, I, I also don't think this is any kind of slam dunk. This Jeff Saturday potential Jeff Saturday hire. I, I don't I don't think that's true at all right now. So I'm not predicting anything because I just I do think it's fluid. I don't know who the hell the front runner is. I don't know if there is a front runner, right? But I also have reason to believe that that this is not some kind of like dog and pony show and Jeff Saturday is getting this job. That I don't think is true. I absolutely do not believe that is where we are. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but I don't think that this is sort of a a, a situation where where, their mind, where his mind is made up and they're going they're going forward with it no matter what. Uh, you got any thoughts on a uh, timetable with what you just said? Probably not, but uh, in closing yeah. here, I thought I would ask. No, it's fair. I, I think we're talk, we're looking at most of this week at minimum, um, if not all of this week, you know, for for the process to continue playing out. I think then, as I said earlier, it kind of boils down to what is the decision making process and how drawn out is that? We don't know that answer. Um, the initial number of, of of second interview candidates we heard was seven. I think we're at seven now. Um, it doesn't mean they can't go beyond that because I've been told it's fluid, but, but, but seven, it was at least the initial number and they're there now. So I think we're in the ballpark. I think we're, we're coming toward the end of the process in the, of the interview process. And, and then we'll see, look, the other thing is, the other thing is we'll see there's do some other shoes drop. Does Houston make its move? Um, when does Denver make its move that I don't, I don't know if that has an impact on their timetable because Frankly, it actually just lessens the competition, so it may not. But, but we'll see. Those those other situations may or may not be impacting what some of the candidates may or may not do as well. There are a reason why we haven't heard a mention. You know, obviously he's going to be coaching in the Super Bowl, but we haven't heard any mention in a while regarding Eric Bieniemy. I don't know that Eric Bieniemy is a very odd situation generally. And and what I mean by that is just what what are the issues there? I mean, we we know that there obviously are some questions uh, off the field, you know, from his past. But I, you know, I think I think we we kind of understand what that is. Either either it bothers you or it doesn't, right? I don't know that that's the issue. Um, then there's obviously there have been always questions about you know what's his role with the Chiefs and and how does that translate when he's outside of the, the Andy Reid ecosystem, you know, so, and, and then just in general, when I have conversations, when I have had conversations with people and I'm not talking Colts people, just generally conversations with people about Eric, the enemy, there's always like this question, like, you know, I don't know. There's just something, something's amiss because nobody's been willing to go in there. And, and I don't know what it is. I really don't, but I do think there is some reason for trepidation there that I cannot explain. And I'm not talking about just with the Colts. I'm talking generally. Yeah, I just I kind of wondered. And then you know, D'Amico Ryans is a guy that people thought that they would have interest in. I haven't heard anything regarding that. And now most believe that he's going to, regardless, end up in Houston. You buy that? I, I do. I mean, you, you got to think about it from just, uh, you know, just uh, the standpoint of, of D'Amico Ryans having played for Houston. He's a really good player for them. Uh, I understand his wife is from Houston, probably met her while he's playing there. 
you know, so there there are there are some you know some 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 variables there that are unique to the Texans, you know, and, and I think that that matters. You know, I mean, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, it's also look, the Texans are an interesting situation. Like, it wouldn't be the top of my list necessarily. But at the same time, they got a hell of a lot of draft picks to work with here. And you have no expectations, like none. So if you get that thing turned around, you know, which when you have draft capital, you can do. If he turns that thing around, I mean, he's going to be a hero down there, man. So I think that can be appealing in its own way. So that, that you know, I don't, I don't completely scratch my head at that. I, I understand it on some level. Here before too long, we're going to be concentrating on what they're going to do at four. Moving up, staying there, yep. who they like is quarterback. Do you think at all who they like as quarterback, will, will that at all be affected by their draft position? Will they settle? Would they settle? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I think it, it really just boils down to what their board looks like, the draft board. And, and what I mean is, like, whoever's at the top, how far down is that next quarterback? If it's a 1A and 1B on their board, then maybe, maybe they don't mind as much, you know? Um, but, but if somebody is off the chart special in their evaluation, I don't know who that is or if the person exists, right? Which, it's too early. I don't know yet. But I'm saying if that if that's where their evaluation leads them, well, then I think, you know, you have to consider the stakes and, and maybe do what you have to do. So we'll see. I think it's just it's a little early, but settling is I don't think they're in a position to settle. Let's put it that way. I'd agree with I just you. I don't think that. they are. I don't think they are. Uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. I appreciate the conversation, and um, maybe next time around we'll have a something <laughs> with a little bit more meat on it to discuss here, I guess, right? Who knows? Hopefully. You got it. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, take care. Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Jake Query, Miles Turner, Podcast 1075thefan.com. Trace Jackson Davis coming up on Thursday. Man, they better win on Tuesday. Trace is going to be on here coming up on Thursday. Robbie Hummel on Friday of the hell's he apart? Big Ten, ESPN. Is he on Fox too? Is he on everything? I believe he's on everything. Yeah. Robbie Hummel, who does everything, college basketball, television, analyst wise. Former Boiler Robbie Hummel coming up on Friday. Quick break. We'll come back. Ninety-three five one zero seven five. The fan. The Ride with JMV. Hey, my buddy, Swanson, full steam ahead. Over there. I want to go over there. I'll move over, Swanson. I'm driving. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Thank you for joining us. Jake Query, Stephen Holder, Miles Turner on this show today. Did my girls over, um, I think it's a, a Mike Wells C.G. Brownsburg experience going on right now. Wells called me a little bit early and said, hey, man, did you get off? You're going to be able to come over here and watch? Said, nope, got Miles Turner. <laughs> no, going to be a tough one to do. It's the first thing he said. So, oh, yeah, you'd rather talk to Miles. Well, yeah, probably I would, to be honest. Not in a mean way. 
sometimes that can be a little uh, eye, eye gouging, if you will, at, at some points. All right, somebody sent me this. Oh, somebody adjusted Brian Callahan's Wikipedia. Did you see that, Eddie? No, what was it, too? Spencer just sent me this. Wikipedia has adjusted Brian Callahan to adding Colts head coach 2023 to present, which would be present. It should just say presently. Anybody could get in there and adjust that stuff, though, right? I think so. Yeah, thank you, Spencer, for that. wonder how many of these other candidates, these possibilities, also have that. JMV, now that we have Miles for two more years... Can somebody remind him the reason he's having such a great year is the most of his scoring is coming from the post and not the three-point line? Well, let me go ahead and straighten your ass out here, Teddy. All right? Let me straighten you out. Now, the reason why his scoring is up in the painted area is because they're getting him the ball there. Uh, In the past, what was unfortunately common knowledge that was inaccurate is well all he wants to do is stand over in the corner and shoot threes that's where he was told to go that's where he was told to stand in the offense this with high ball screen actions for example ted which you see all the time this makes him more active that's what the five here is allowed to do that's what they want him to do and now he has an elite level willing passer when healthy to distribute him the ball So that's why you see that consistency. Not because he just wants to go stand in the corner to go stand in the corner. That's like for you and I. Like if I go stand in the corner at Southport High School on a Sunday morning and wait for somebody to pass me the ball, that's not what I've been told. That's just kind of what I want to do. That is called half-assing it. In Miles' case, then he was told, okay, here's what you're supposed to do in the offense. Do that. Now, while that has worked with Tyrese Halliburton a great deal, where his production is better, don't tell him not to shoot threes. He is a 40%, at best, I believe, 39 to 40% three-point shooter. There is a great deal of value in it. And I think that he adjusts accordingly. But I understand you want him to be exactly what he has been to this point, and that is right. But it hasn't in the past. Well, all he wants to do is shoot threes. Well, no, he was told to go stand in the corner. And when you get a ball reversal and you're wide open, you're probably going to take it. And now you're nearly, if not a 40% three-point shooter, Yeah, I wouldn't in this era of the NBA say, hey, go back down and play like it's 1985. I love 1985, but I wouldn't do that. Now, you want him to be what he has been. I can give you a great example of what you want him to be to be better, and I ask him that. You know, some of the things where he's evolving right now, and I think Quinn mentioned that on the broadcast last night. Playing through contact. 
and I want that to get better rebounding-wise, too. In the contact of a rebound, I'd like to see that get better, but playing through contact has been a lot better for him than we have ever seen it. And I'm assuming that just comes with growth, with maturation, and with a higher level of confidence with those that you trust around you. You do not at all want to eliminate that. I'd like to add, too, during this stretch without Tyrese, as you talked about with Miles, that part of the reason why he's had so much success is Tyrese is getting him the basketball, and he's ready when he gets the basketball. He's still staying ready to get the basketball as if Tyrese was out there, but instead of settling for those threes like he did in the past, we're seeing a lot more of him driving to the basket and getting and one opportunities for three-point plays. Gotcha. I just think right now you want to see him evolve and get better. He's not taking too many threes. I think he's taking the perfect amount. I, I, I just think his his offense in, in by demand, his his offense I think is shot selection wise as good as you'd want it. Jan V. So I talked to a good friend of Jeff's. I'm assuming you're talking about Jeff Saturday. And he told me that he's talked to Jeff a lot in the last couple of months, said that Jeff will not get or take the job because of his demands and the general manager. Then why is he interviewing? We will follow that. Well, he has. I mean, it's done now, right? Correct? The second one? Yeah. Second stage? But if he felt like that, then why would he do the second one? Um... Maybe you just reach a point where you say, you know what, I'm done. That's another reason why, and I'm glad I'm able to separate stuff. I'm able to separate him, the coach, from him, the player, and just not, listen, your opinion, that's fine, but just to be an over-the-top a-hole about it with somebody that has been huge in really the only level of success this franchise, this organization's ever had here. You guys are a lot different than me. A lot different than me. It is okay to say, yeah, you know what? I want somebody else and not him as the head coach. But man, he has been significant and meaningful to the greatest days this organization has ever seen. I know you're tough. I know you're badass. Don't worry about it. We all know you're badass. We all know you're a badass. But sometimes I think you also can be respectful while also being vocal. While that certainly is you with you and your petition, that sure as hell would not have been me. I don't know. Maybe that just comes with the older generation of going through what we went through, understanding what we understand, knowing what we know, and then a lot of the younger generation not knowing jack squat. I'm not sure. Is that it? Not knowing jack squat? But no, I'll be honest with you, with that tweet, that would not surprise me in the least. Because I think at some point you also have to ask regarding Jeff Saturday, when 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 is enough enough? All right, you can go back, be with your family, you can do ESPN. Makes you wonder. That would not surprise me in the least. And, you know, knowing that your general manager sure as hell doesn't want you, 
having to deal with that when he's the one picking and choosing who they talk to. So that would not surprise me. Am I wrong about Saturday? Is there not two ways to look at it? I know everybody wants to be hardcore in one general fashion, but. And again, I know that Jim Mercer, as Stephen Holder mentioned, he sees it. You can just tweet at him. Hey, you know what? Yeah, this Saturday thing's not a good idea. Understand. That's how I feel. All right, quick break, and we'll come back for a final time. Jake Query, Miles Turner, Stephen Holder, Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. We'll set up tomorrow, and I mentioned Trace Jackson Davis, Robbie Hummel coming up later on this week. We'll lay out again a couple of must-wins to set the stage for what is going to be a spectacular Saturday in College Hoop. We'll do that, close out the show with you next. The Ride with JMV. This situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture be done on somebody's part we're just the guys to do it 93.5 and 107.5 the fan uh, jay query is really good at the four o'clock hour hope you did not miss that kevin and query weekday mornings right here seven until 10 a.m you think i should call kevin um i call assets draft capital Draft Capital Bowen. <laughs> Kev's going to be here on Wednesday, per usual. Miles Turner earlier today. If you miss Miles, please don't let it stay that way. He was really good on the show. Miles Turner, new extension that announced. Press conference earlier today. All of his teammates present for that. Really stood out to him. But no, Miles was really good. The podcast, 107.5thefan.com, and Stephen Holder was also here. Uh, To continue regarding Jeff Saturday, this is from a listener. Says that Jeff asked for things that he was told would happen that never did, and he interviewed the second time because of Jim Ursay and their relationship. Jeff knows already that he will not be the Colts' head coach. We will follow that. See if there's truth to it. Uh, Interesting. And by the way, none of that at all surprises me. Now, it does surprise me that I go to Wikipedia, courtesy of Spencer, and I see the new head coach of the Colts being Brian Callahan. Who did that? Somebody that wants Brian Callahan as the next head coach, I presume. Don't check my search history. Come on now. Officer Craig writes this, I care much more about the owner keeping the general manager than if he were to hire Saturday. The general manager hinders the future more. Well, about that. At JMV, I think Jelani Woods will be a difference maker. I have a great deal of confidence that Jelani Woods is going to be really good here one of these days. It seemed like he was underutilized, but let's face it, in this season offensively, it seemed like everything was underutilized. If not underutilized, certainly underperforming. That is true. Nate Thomas chimes in. Hey, JMV, Miles Turner is also leading the lead in three-point shooting percentage from the top of the key, even over Steph Curry. That is definitely his spot right there. 
Remember how Tim Duncan's spot? I'm not trying to compare the two. Tim Duncan's spot was about 15 feet from the basket. He would go backboard, or as we used to all call it, the bank board. He would go backboard. Miles at the top of the key. That is, at least three-point shooting-wise, that is his spot. And no doubt about that. Hey, Jan V, I completely agree with you regarding both IU and Purdue. IU has to win tomorrow night at Maryland, Purdue at home against Penn State on Wednesday. And you are right in Bloomington when it is an unseasonably warm day in winter and there is a huge basketball game. It makes it that much better. It sincerely does. I don't want to look ahead. I don't want to look ahead, but Saturday at 4 o'clock, that should be some fun right there. John Dishauer says, do you get a cut of Miles' contract extension? No, I just speak the truth and let the chips fall. There's a reason why I've been the only person out here that's ever said anything, ever really backed it up. Everybody else has complained. Everybody else said I was wrong. Everybody else was wrong. You know who was right, Eddie? Who was right? The guy who's getting part of that contract who extension. Who is right right here inside the lounge via YouTube Live? Who was right has his right hand up and his left hand down? Or vice versa? Oh, I, I need to. Check out my Twitter account sometime and please... You got- you got to read. I can't find it because we don't have enough time. The guy last night at 2 in the morning, I got a 2 in the morning triple shot of tweets from this guy, and it was outrageously stupid. <laughs> you guys got to check it out. <laughs> Maybe I'll remember to get to that coming up tomorrow. Jake Query, Stephen Holder, and Miles Turner. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Rake's drawn more coming up tomorrow. Trace Jackson Davis, Robbie Hummel later on this week. Eddie Garrison, great job out of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Inside the Lounge, YouTube Live, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.